Welcome back to 2020 Vision. I'm Liliana Boucher. And I'm Arya Tusi. And today we're going to be talking about the primaries again. But before we go back to that, we're going to talk about some headlines. And this week's, I think the most important headlines were international. First, we have Netanyahu, who was indicted on corruption charges. It was corruption, bribery, and breach of trust, I believe. Correct. Whatever that means. So that means that... uh, Netanyahu might finally be getting the justice he deserves. Not my position to say, though. We'll see what the uh, the Israeli courts have to say about that. The most interesting thing about Netanyahu's indictment, though, is that his attorney general is the one who indict- right. indicted him. So should be an interesting day yeah. when all of his full allegations come into light. Well, Arya, we'll what keep else? Our, well, what else is uh, there is a there's some massive protests going on in Iran right now. And I'm actually kind of surprised because it's been almost a week now. And I have not really heard much about it on, in like, American media. Uh, mostly just people on, like, Twitter and, like, lone journalists talking online. Let's back up. First of all, it started because there was a gas price in- increase in, in Iran. The prices increased uh, 50% in some places, up to four times in others. And this was done as a way to ration gas so that they can keep some, in- some uh, exporting output. But this pressure was caused by sanctions placed by the Trump administration. So people took the streets. Gas is incredibly important, especially Iran is a, it's a very car-centric country. So people took the streets. As of yesterday, I believe there were 106 protesters killed and many more injured. The government knows what they're doing they cut off all internet access after the first day they really did not want any like any word to get out um and they were pretty effective at that and then i guess the last really important international headline would be the fact that venice is flooded right now there are these flood prevention methods that are called MOS, and it's like an acronym and they are basically these electronic dams that are under the water when they're not in use but then they can rise up and stop the rising water from getting into the canals of venice and flooding everything but because of corruption within the government and because the italian president could not find anyone authorized to raise them who wanted to raise them venice ended up being flooded this flood in venice was the highest flood since 1966 and in 1966 there was an enormous exodus of italians and that there's a fear that that'll happen again i assume this was caused in part by climate change which is fake Oh, of course. But so how could it be causing the flood? Exactly. I don't I don't know. But, you know, that's that's what the liberal media, quote unquote, has to say about it. But I guess we can switch to domestic news now. Yeah. This week, we're going to talk about the the fifth Democratic debate. Um, it was on Wednesday night. Today is Saturday that we're recording this. Um, Friday. Is today. Today is Friday. Today is Friday. There's a lot of tired energy in the room <laughs> There's today. There's a lot of tired energy in the room today. Um, yeah, so it was on we- the debate was on Wednesday. We're recording this on Friday. Milan, what were your biggest takeaways from the debate? So I thought this debate was interesting in uh, what I thought was to be more combative discourse than usual, but not in terms of people's morals, but rather in terms of their policy. Now, of course, morals were challenged and uh, mm-hmm. belittled, as usual. You know, politics has come to be about that now more so than of course more so than policy but i thought that there was a lot of really interesting discourse about the democrats favorite topic of the year of the century of forever health care yes and i mean it is an important topic to discuss especially because many democratic voters put it as one of their biggest issues for uh, selecting a candidate and as usual the biggest debate here was the public option versus um abolish private insurance debate and i think it's interesting that among proponents for the single-payer option it's a common argument that 
you don't need to abolish private insurance because a sufficiently effective public option will pretty much, you know, put it out of business with the exception of like the really high end expensive insurance. And it seems like only Buttigieg is talking about that. I don't know why, especially because it's such a strong split. Um, for example, Biden was defending his, his choice to go for a, a government option instead of single payer as kind of like a liberal versus more socialist argument. But like the argument that Buttigieg uses is much more palatable for more people. And it's less like divisive when you hear when you hear Biden talking about how the party is too left that alienates a lot of people. I think that while we're talking about Buttigieg, I guess we can talk about how he's palatable. I think it's really interesting that he has moved really to the forefront of the national conversation about the 2020 primaries, especially in the last week about his centrist policies, about his fundraising and about the fact that he's leading in Iowa currently, Mm -hmm. which is arguably the most important state that he will need to win in these primary races. And I remember a few weeks ago, uh, we were discussing this, and I said, why do you think Pete's doing so well in Iowa? I think I found an answer for that. And, and this is interesting because this this election, especially this primary, has kind of broken down what most people uh, expect from identity politics. But Iowa is overwhelmingly white, and Buttigieg's supporters are also overwhelmingly white, which is why you don't see him doing nearly as well somewhere like South Carolina, where 65% of the electorate is black. Going off of that, I saw somewhere that he has almost virtually none of the POC population or of any minority group in the United States, which, if he's running as a Democrat, which he is, is the coalition that he will need to win over in order to win in the election. Right. And looking forward to, like, the general, I, I really don't think that the that POC are going to turn out for Trump. It's a question of whether they're going to turn out at all, because, yeah. you know, we've seen historically pretty much at every level of government when more people turn out, Democrats tend to win. Correct. Yeah. Even though that is a really important topic, electability was actually not one of the forefronts of this debate, as it usually mm-hmm. is, though. What else did you think was important in this debate? Some other um, major topics in this debate were climate change and women's rights, things like equal pay and campus safety, equal protection laws and stuff like that. Uh, we have the you know the classic uh, formalized Roe v. Wade, put it into law, which pretty much everyone on the stage, I think, agrees with. Amy Klobuchar was bringing that up, and no one really challenged her on that. It, I think it's something that everyone, pretty much the entire party, agrees on. But there was a little statement from Biden when they were talking about uh, women's safety on campuses. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> He just, he, he, I, I listened to what Biden said about women's rights after the debate, again, just to make sure that I heard what I thought. Mm-hmm. It's not looking good for Biden and his right. support among women. Right. He said, so Here, we here's the in- clip. Dealing with, I was stunned when I did a virtual town meeting that told me 30,000 people were on the, on the call, young people between 15 and 25, and found out, I said, what do you need, what do you need to make you safer on college campuses and in your schools? You know what they said? Get men involved. Engage the rest of the community. If you, if you think about what he's saying and translate it from, like, Biden speak, he's saying that in order to get you know, meaningful change on women's issues. You have to get men to care about it. But what it sounded like to anyone who was listening... Especially if you take it out of context, which is, you know, is going to happen. Sounded like he was saying that men are the people who must fix the problems that men initially caused in the first place. Right. So that's not looking great for right. Biden. When you say When you say, we need to get men involved in an answer to a question about women's issues, 
I don't understand how you have an entire like debate prep team and have he's been in politics for so long he should know this answer is not going to go over well. Yeah, I especially mean, because you could just change the wording and make it not nearly as as Biden has said in the past. <laughs> that was a bunch of malarkey. Malarkey. It was a bunch of malarkey. It was a bunch of malarkey. Um, another important topic that came up in this debate was the wealth tax mm-hmm. and the concept, um, this debate that Booker and Warren had over whether or not the wealth tax would actually be an effective way to raise money for other policies that they had in mind. Warren was saying that the two cent tax on money over a certain limit on the wealthy would help raise money for pre-K care and child care in general. Whereas Booker said that taxing the wealthy would only prove counterintuitive and that none of the programs would get enough money to be funded and would cause resentment for the government. So I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that. I do think it's interesting to note that regardless of what you think about, A, whether it would pass and B, whether it would be effective in funding the policies that Warren is talking about, there is a serious concern over whether that kind of tax is constitutional. Because there is a constitutional amendment and that is the only reason why income tax is legal at least on the federal level. And the Constitution also states that federal taxes have to be proportionate to states' populations. You can't disproportionately tax different states at the federal level. If the the concentration of wealthy people is disproportionate throughout the country, opponents of the wealth tax could use that as as an argument for why not even shouldn't be considered by the Congress, but why it shouldn't even be brought in the first place. And whether it does get past Congress and it does pass why it should be struck down by the Supreme Court. So kind of going off of that, so right when we started the podcast, we talked about how Arya was a lot more interested in constitutional law, so that just all came out right there. (laughs) But me personally, who's interested in political psychology, I thought it was actually really interesting when I was sitting, I was sitting in a room of people watching the debate, and Warren's statements were much better received by Mm -hmm. the people, which I think just goes to show, and maybe anyone who's listening to realize that there are financial issues issues that go behind every single policy and it's not just how a candidate is effective in delivering their message you really need to think about what's going behind that just like we talked about in the other episode of finding the money or looking beyond just what candidates are saying taking it as it is you need to look beyond that to see exactly what's going on behind the scenes like Arya talked about there's also you you actually see it on the left and the right Um, there's a huge uh, sentiment that the rich need to pay their fair share that they've been getting away with you know, not paying taxes or not contributing as much as like a working class person, for example. And a lot of people, when they hear the wealth tax idea, they don't think about, you know, policy, you know, implementation details and stuff like that. They think of, oh, this is someone holding the, the uber wealthy accountable and I want that. Yeah, definitely. So we talked earlier about how Biden said some crazy one-liner today Some malarkey that out of context is going to sound terrible but he was not the only candidate who said things that out of context are horrific mm-hmm. so and this is the kind of thing that pr teams and debate teams have to prepare for and they know it's going to happen because they know you know fox news is going to take everything out of context make everyone look as bad as possible um but some things do slip through so definitely i think that one important thing to consider that actually in context or out of context is really important was the debate between kamala and Tulsi Gabbard about her stance as a quote-unquote Republican Democrat. That was massive. I think that we need to put a clip here to show what Kamala's response to Tulsi was because that was, I am not a big Kamala fan, but I, everyone in the room (laughs) cheered, and I also cheered. (laughs) Who has spent full time, who has spent full time, 
criticizing people on this stage as affiliated with the Democratic Party. When Donald Trump was elected, not even sworn in, buddied up to Steve Bannon to get a meeting with Donald Trump in the Trump Tower, fails to call a war criminal by what he is as a war criminal, and then spends full time during the course of this campaign, again, criticizing the Democratic Party. What we need on the stage on, in November is someone who has the ability to win. And by that, we need someone on that stage who has the ability to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Donald Trump and someone who has the ability to rebuild the Obama coalition and bring the party and the nation together. I believe I am that candidate. Um, but I think it was really important that Kamala said something to Tulsi, and I think this is this is the end for Tulsi. I think Tulsi's performance was interesting because she got into some spats with other candidates, Buttigieg, Kamala specifically, um, and it seemed like like she got whipped by both of them, right? Yeah. And and it seemed like she didn't think that she lost those exchanges. However, it does not, from the eye of the viewer, look like she won any of them. No. <laughs> I think that maybe it was, you talk about debate preparation, I think her debate preparation was to let it go mm -hmm. and to continue with this facade of confidence, but I I really don't think that her performance was anything to right, be proud of. That, yeah. Yeah. The only thing, she might actually go up in the polls based solely on the fact that her name came up, mm -hmm. but I don't think that there's anything else particularly special about what she said. You know, it's funny you mentioned that uh, I don't, you said you don't think anyone could take away that she won those exchanges, but I like went on Twitter immediately, like when it was happening, and it's kind of like the Yang gang, but for Tulsi, she has a group of very dedicated supporters. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for joining us again this week. If you're listening to the .org stream, um, stay tuned for uh, the spotlight for some sports talk. Uh, I'm Aria Tusi. I'm Liana Boucher. And uh, have a good one. Thank you.